What's going on, everyone? This is another episode of the Western PA Sports Blog Podcast. I'm your host, Nate Stice, and today I'm joined by Spencer Lynn, a graduate of California University of Pennsylvania, also known as Cal U. He's a football alumni, uh, a former professional football player, and also a former member of the United States Armed Forces. So, Spencer, hey, appreciate you coming on the show, man. Hey, Nate, thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate it. Happy to be here and kind of share my story and hopefully entertain some of your viewers. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, it's a pleasure to have you on and, you know, very thankful for your service in the military. And, you know, uh, now you're giving back in other ways, especially in football through coaching and mentorship and stuff of that sort. So let's take it from the beginning. Uh, you grew up in Belvern in PA, you know, played in the Whippeal and things of the sort. Uh, what, what was it like growing up there for you? I want to know about, you know, your early life. Yeah, uh, growing up in Belvern, big time football tradition there. Obviously, always has been, always, but all, all the way back into the seventies, eighties, nineties, and yeah, you know, even today. Uh, especially today, they've really been dominant the past couple of years. Um, I actually grew up. I got started in football way back. I mean, I started playing flag football when I was four or five years old. And during that same time, I was actually a water boy for the high school team back in the mid to early nineties when they had some of their runs down to Old Three River Stadium stuff like that so going to those games with, with my dad you know being on the sideline as a water boy that's really kind of what got my love of football started way back as a kid and it, it's funny lately I've I've had conversations with some of the guys who were senior you know juniors and seniors on the football team when I was a water boy and it's just interesting how football has come you know really full circle 20 plus years later yeah and you still have a role today you know you're back at your alma mater you know uh doing some of the social media work you're in you know alumni relations and i think you're probably doing a little bit of coaching as well which is awesome uh so yeah you know definitely a full circle thing to be able to continue to stay around you know whippeal football and pittsburgh football you know it's it's a big thing around that area so definitely really cool um let's start let's talk about high school a little bit came a three-time letter winner at bell vernon uh you were an all-state first team selection uh, you were Old Spice Red Zone Player of the Year, Tri-County Football Coaches Association All-Star, two-time All-Conference, two-time Captain of Bell Vernon. Um, you know, I just want to know how much you cherished those times, you know, on, under the Friday Night Lights. You know, I, I know everybody's got great stories that played high school football, but I want to know, you know, what you kind of think about those times. Yeah, there's there's nothing like Friday nights in the fall in Western Pennsylvania. Um, even, you know, I got to go on and play in college. I got to go play overseas, and that, that was cool too, but it, it there's still something so nostalgic, something so uh, memorable about playing on those Friday nights. Uh, especially, like I said, growing up as a water boy, too, I got to be around that my whole life. And, you know, just as a kid, I always wanted to be out there on the field uh, playing on Friday nights. And it, it, I, I definitely cherished my time in college, too. But, yeah, nothing nothing holds a nickel next to those Friday nights on you know, high school field here in Western Pennsylvania. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, I definitely enjoyed my experience as well. Um, you know, I, I wish I could go back. You know, my yeah. career ended a little bit uh, before years. I didn't get to go on to play in college. But, yeah. you know, uh, everybody's time comes at some time, whether it's at 18 or in mid-20s. Or, I mean, heck, if you're Tom Brady and you're, you're mid-40s, you know, yeah. it, it's yeah. definitely incredible. Uh, well, that's, you know. what's, that's what's cool about, you know, of, about high school football is more people get to experience that than college. And that's right. cool. You can have that that common interest and that common experience with so many other people later on in life you know when i went on to you know join the military and serve in the military 
most of the guys in my platoon, they all played football in high school. Most of them didn't play in college, but just the fact that they did play in high school, we had that shared experience, that common bond. So that's, that's what's so cool about high school football, and that's why I think it'll always be my favorite level of football. For sure. Yeah, and, you know, that's a brotherhood before the brotherhood of, of yeah. the Army, you know. So at least you have something in common with those guys before you, you know, go into, you know, other things that, that come along with that. Uh, I, I want to talk about coming out of high school. Uh, obviously, you go to Cal U. You joined a, a dynasty. You know, you you were there in some amazing. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, still amazing. They went nine and one last year. They were they have a great program, great thing going there. But I want to know why it was a good fit for you. What'd you like about you know Cal U over other options? I did have I did have a, a good handful of Division two offers, a couple FCS offers. Um, but the thing that was so awesome to, to me about Cal was one, like you said, it, you know. They've been dominant the past couple, past decade plus at the Division Two level. That was obviously very attractive. And then, especially for me being a Mon Valley guy, um, Bell Vernon and Cal were only you know 25, 20 minutes apart. Uh, so my family got to come to all my games. My grandparents, they would always be out there tailgating before every game. A lot of my high school friends would be able to come watch me play in college. Just that fact being you know close to home, close to my support system helped tremendously. Um, got to you know continue my my football legacy in the Mon Valley, which a lot of great athletes have come out of that area over the past you know far back as you can remember. Um, so yeah, that was definitely important about playing at Cal is the fact that it was close to home, and then you know the, the level of athletes there, especially you know back when I was there, you know 2010 to 2014, we had a lot of Division One transfers, guys that you know for whatever reason went to you know Pitt. We had guys from Michigan. We had guys from you know, all, all these big Division One programs. And for whatever reason, maybe they got in trouble. Maybe their grades weren't quite cut into those schools. But they ended up, you know, transferring down to the Division Two level. So I got to play with some heck of like just some really, really good athletes. A lot of those guys went on to have NFL careers. So that was so cool being around them and you know just seeing that high level of athlete and being on the same field, being on the same team as those guys was something you know, I always remember. Yeah, you know, it's pretty crazy. You played with, you know, you were a pro yourself. You played with pros for four years, and then you played against other pros, uh, you know, at the Division Two level. What do you think that says about the PSAC? Uh, you know, I don't care if it's Division Two or not. What do you think yeah. that says about the level of athlete that's playing Division Two football in this, that conference? Yeah, I, I think the, the PSAC, um, I think it's, it's probably the deepest conference in Division Two for football. I know that very, very deep baseball conference as well. Um I think, yeah, it's just the talent in the PSAC. What's cool about it is, it, you know, it hurts the PSAC on the national level, but what's cool, you know, here regionally is all these teams, Slippery Rock, Cal, IUP, all very close geographically, all competing for, you know, the same level of high school talent that, you know, just barely trickles through the Division One ranks, trickles down to Division Two, But, you know, Slippery Rock, Cal, IUP, all competing for the same next, you know, second-tier level Whitfield guys. And then it kind of splits them up, right? Now, imagine if Slippery Rock, Cal, and IUP all were one Division two school. They'd be nationally dominant, like your Northwest Missouri states, like your Grand Valley states. But, you know, competing for that level time. But it makes the, 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 the traditions, the rivalries here amongst those those three schools especially, it makes it pretty cool. Um, but, yeah, the, the, the talent depth in the PSAC is, is incredible. Absolutely. No, I totally agree. And, uh, you know, you, you played pretty dang well uh, amongst all those pros and, and all those that great talent. Um, I think you had, a you know, your freshman year, I think it was a little bit slow. But then the next three, I mean, you played unbelievably. Uh, you know, you finished your career with around 250 tackles. You started in 27 games. Uh, you know, you had uh, second on your team with a career-high 90 tackles as a redshirt freshman in, in 2011. 
Um, you know, you became an All-PSAC West first team honoree. Um, you played in the NCAA playoffs. You know, you, you did a lot of really good things there. Um, what do you think about your time, you know, those four years playing college football and what you were able to accomplish, uh, you know, you know, in those few years, those few years there, excuse me. Yeah, I think, I think my favorite thing about my college career was just the fact that I got to play football for four, you know, five more years if you count my redshirt year. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, extending your football career is cool. And then just, like I said, the level of, of guys that I played with was awesome. I mean, at least a dozen guys that I played with in college went on to have NFL careers. And I brag about that all the time to people that I meet now. I brag about that. I brag about that to my army buddies. Like, Oh, you know, that guy that plays for the Raiders. Yeah. He was a teammate of mine. He played right next to me on the defense. I'll always brag about that stuff. I'll tell my grandkids those stories. That's, that's just so cool to be able to be so close to people that played at the highest level of football. Um, that's something I'll yeah, always be able to, to talk about. Yeah, no, that's definitely awesome, man. You still got some guys that you play with that are still continuing to play, right? I, I know there's yeah, a few, right? Yeah, um, we have Eric Harris right now. He's with the Atlanta Falcons. Um, CJ Goodwin's with the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, we've had, you know, Paul Butler was just recently in the NFL with the, right. with the Raiders. Uh, Rontez Miles was with the Jets up, up until recently. Eric Cush with the Browns and the Chiefs. Ton of guys, yeah, and all tremendous, tremendous football players. Yeah, yeah, and uh, Paul Butler's from the area that I grew up in, and uh-huh. you know I'm Your hoping that have- yes, I'm, so I'm hoping to you know have him on the show at some point. You know, shout oh, out yeah. to him. That'd be awesome. Yeah, he's a great guy. You know, uh, I think he's trying for the XFL, if I'm not mistaken. You know, I don't want to yeah, quote that. He's still working out. He's still trying to make the dream happen. Uh, hard worker for yes. sure, and I know he's involved with some youth football camps up in that area too. So I'm sure he'll have a good story to tell. Yeah, and that's huge. You know, we definitely, you know, need that around us. You know, some of that exposure and some of the just the know-how. You know, he's been through it. He's been at the NFL level. He's been at the Division One, Division Two level. You know, we need that around us. It's a small area, not a lot of people. But, you know, hey, there's still some people that come out of there and do some great things. So, you know, it's yeah. great to see him giving back in that way. Um, I also forgot to mention, you know, you were a, an All-American uh, you know, a Cal U, you know, what's that kind of mean to you uh, to be able to have achieved that? Yeah, I was, I was a first-team academic All-American. I think I was only the second first-team academic All-American in school history at the time. We've had some others since, which is awesome. Uh, the more people we can add to that club, the better. Uh, but, yeah, that, that, that means a, a great deal to me. There's a plaque that hangs up in the athletic department with my name on it for that. And that's you know, something that will always be there. Maybe I'll get it to go show my future children someday when I take them around the school. So, that's cool to have that legacy. Yeah, no, that's definitely huge, man. Um, so let's talk about a little bit about playing professional football. Uh, you didn't get to do it here; you did it, you know, yeah. overseas. So that's probably a different dynamic than oh, yeah. what people can imagine. Um, how did it come to be, and you know, what do you kind of uh, you know remember most about playing for the? Is it the Osnabrück Tigers? Did I pronounce yeah, that right? Nailed it. Awesome. So yeah, I want to so know about obviously, it. You know, I had the dream to play in the NFL like any little kid that puts on cleats. Uh, didn't didn't work out. You know, I got as close as I possibly could, worked as hard at it as I possibly could. Um, when it came down, I you know, worked out at our pro day at Cal U after my senior year. Just probably was a step too slow and maybe 10, 15 pounds too small to play in the NFL. So, you know, gave it my best shot. Didn't work out. That was fine. Uh, went and pursued, you know, that other option that I had to go play over in, um, in Europe. So I played over in the, the GFL, the German Football League. Um, Basically, if, if anybody out there remembers NFL Europe back in the 90s and early 2000s, the GFL still exists over there. It's basically the remnants of NFL Europe. There's still a, a small niche following of, you know, of, of European football fans over there. Over there. Um, and one of my one of my older teammates at Cal, who is two years older than me, Brett Diamond, he went over there and played for a team in the GFL too. So that's kind of how I found out about that avenue. 
Um, we had some other guys at Cal that both you know, before me and after me that went over and played in the GFL. So there's a, a small pipeline there. Um, great experience. You know, the, the pay is not NFL money, not anything near that. You you could you could support yourself off of that, but you couldn't support a family playing right. over there. Um, but you know, they did. They they paid me a monthly salary. They paid for my apartment. They gave me a car to drive while I was there. Really, my only expenses were food and gas. And I got to live in Germany for six months and travel all around Europe, uh, it's kind of a, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to go get to do all that. Um, and then the, the level of talent over there is interesting, man, because they have the rule, they have rules where you can, like, you can only have two Americans on the field at the same time. Um, so typically most teams will have four Americans, maybe a little bit more if they can afford it, but they do that, you know, so that way the team with the most money just doesn't go out and buy 11 Americans and just dominates the league. So they do that for parity, which is cool. Sure. Um, but... So you know, most of the team ends up being you know, European players, and I would say the average European is more athletic than the average American, just because they all grew up playing soccer. As soon as they could walk, they were playing soccer or rugby or whatever, you know, whatever other sports they play. And they're very active, very healthy over there. So they're decently um, athletic, you know, group of people over there. But they didn't really have the tactical understanding of X's and O's that can only come with you know playing American football from time you're five years old all the way through high school and college and beyond um and then also the, the physicality was a little bit different too they they're not used to being quite as physical uh you know hitting getting hit etc as 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 americans are um just you know growing up playing football the whole life but you know very athletic people and, and very passionate about football too which is really cool to see i think it's only a matter of time until the nfl gets a team over in europe or maybe even it brings back nfl europe or something like that i think um, the, the groundwork is definitely laid over there for that. I think it's, you know, they, they have games over in London every so often. I, I think they're having a game in Germany here. Uh, this, if, if it's not this season, it's, it's soon, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, there's definitely a, a passionate fan base for football over in Europe. Yeah, no, that's pretty cool that you got to experience that. It's probably an eye opening experience, not just from a football perspective, but from just a life, ex, you know, a life yeah. perspective. You're just like, plopped over there one day you know they live they live a little different they eat different different language yeah. all kinds of different things different belief systems in some ways yeah. you know so it's kind of interesting to kind of just get plopped over there so you kind of said less power is it more of a kind of a speed game is it more on the ground than than through the air is or, or what's that kind of like yeah i would say there's definitely more running uh it just depends too because i mean so it, it's it's not always the format but most teams like i said they have typically four americans per team one of them is always going to be a quarterback. Sure. That's because that's the hardest position for somebody else to learn. So typically quarterback, linebacker, and then, you know, the other two Americans could be either, you know, a receiver on offense, maybe a running back on offense or on defense, probably usually a defensive back. Um, they have big linemen. I mean, there were some big guys over there playing on the lines. They had no, no shortage of, of big, strong guys over there. But, uh, yeah, those, those – there's more cerebral positions, especially quarterback and linebacker, are typically the Americans imports that they bring over. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, you're kind of the linebackers, and you know, some safeties sometimes kind of lead the defense, and then obviously the quarterback leads the offense. Uh, you know, not surprised to hear you say that they didn't bring any uh, kickers and punters over from America. Oh, no, that's that's the craziest. <laughs> thing. We had, yeah, we, every guy in our team could probably be yep. a very very good punter or kicker. Right. Uh, yeah. There's no shortage of that. It, it's it's akin <laughs> to how basically every American can throw a baseball. Right. Every every German guy that I know can kick a soccer ball <laughs> with like pinpoint accuracy from like 30 yards out. It was crazy. 
Yeah, it's definitely kind of an interesting dynamic. You know, soccer still rules over there, but it's yeah. cool to, you know, kind of hear that niche, uh, you know, that really enjoyed football. And like you said, you know, we're going to have some NFL games over there. We've had, you know, NFL Europe. There's been some games in, in London. Uh, there's going to be a game in Germany, I believe, as well. So, yeah, like that's going to be awesome. Uh, I do think you're right, and you kind of nailed it. We are going to have a team over there someday. Some point, so, for sure. There yeah. will be an NFL team in Europe, I, I, yeah, some, some point. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, so after that, you, you just played one season, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, one year over there. So why not go back? I want to know, like, what happened in your life that made you decide not to go back, uh, you know, or, or pursue other football interests? When did you know it was time to, to do something else? Yeah, I kind of knew that going over there, that that would be the end of my career. I didn't know if I would do one, two, three years. I, I didn't really know for sure how many years I would spend over there. But sure. I mean, it's not very typical that somebody from the GFL – will then, you know, make it back to the NFL. I'm sure it's happened. I'm sure you can find a case study out there for that. But I, I did. I knew that that would kind of be the, the twilight of my career, for lack of a better word. Um, and then, you know, I came back. I, I did. The, the team offered to renew my contract. I definitely thought about it long and hard. Um, but I also knew I was ready to kind of go do something else. I did always know that I, I wanted to serve my country in some capacity. That was, you know... I know a lot of people feel a lot of different ways about America, but at the end of the day, in my opinion, this is the best country on earth, and we're all fortunate that we get to live here. Um, so I did want to, you know, serve and do my part to give back, and kind of, kind of realized that, you know, I was getting older. I was getting body was getting banged up a little bit, and if I wanted to have a, you know, healthy five years in the army, that was the time to do it. So that's what I went ahead and did. Yeah, heck yeah, man. You know, I, I definitely appreciate it and definitely agree this is a wonderful country. You know, there's, you know, there, if you sit here and think about it long enough, there's always things you can pick out that stink about life and stink about America and stuff like that. But there's a lot of great things as well. So, yeah, um, I want to know, uh, did you do ROTC when you were in college as well? Or was this completely just after the fact, after school, you decided to do it? Yes, I did not do ROTC in college. That would have been pretty hard to, to balance with football. Sure. Um, so I actually went ahead to and I applied to Officer Candidate School um, with, through the Army. So I got accepted into Officer Candidate School. Um, yeah, any, anybody with a college degree can apply to Officer Candidate School. You go through a board process. You go through a physical fitness test, uh, submit pack of information, medical testing, all that stuff. So it was a pretty lengthy process. It took about, I don't know, close to six months to get it all done. Um, but I got accepted into Officer Candidate School. So the first place I went was um, Army Basic Training. Uh, and then upon completion of basic training, you get sent to Officer Candidate School. Um, you get through Officer Candidate School. is about close to six months long. Um, after Officer Candidate School, I yeah, branched into the infantry, which is what I wanted to do. Um, so then I went to IBOLIC, which is Infantry Basic Officer Leadership Course. It's another close to six months of, of specifically infantry officer training where you learn how to lead you know, infantry platoon uh, you know, in, into combat. And then after that, um, I went to jungle school and then aerosol school. And then you know, I was a platoon leader for about 18 months and it was the best job I ever had being a platoon leader. I, I loved that. It was awesome. Um, and after my platoon leader time, I was you know, promoted to company executive officer for about another, um, a little over a year. Uh, co- executive officer is a little, you're kind of pulled back off the line at that point. You're not really uh, one of the guys anymore. You're much more desk job, lack of a better word. You're second in command for, a, for the company. So you're doing a lot more paperwork, doing a lot more, um, supervising of company assets, you know, you keep the property book for the company, you make sure all the vehicles are getting serviced. It's much different than being a platoon leader where you're kind of on the line with the guys in the dirt. Um, and yeah, it was, that was, good bit of my army career summed up pretty quickly there. Yeah. And that was about four and a half years. I believe you served, correct? 
Yeah, four and a half. Yep. Yeah, where did you all live during this time? Were you, were you abroad again? Were you all uh, in the United States? Where, where were you all at for basics so through, through the whole yeah, way? So basic training went to uh, Fort Benning, Georgia, Sand Hill, home of the infantry. Um, and then Officer Canada School and I, Bullock, were both, were both also at Fort Benning. So I was at Fort Benning for a pretty long period of time. And then um, when I got sent to my unit, I was in Hawaii, Schofield Barracks, Hawaii, which is where I did jungle school and aerosol school as well. And then that's where my, my unit was stationed. Gotcha. Yeah. So you, you stayed uh, kind of domestic for your experience. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Yeah. So you, you did have an abroad experience before and then you got the domestic experience here, yeah. you know, in the yeah. army. So that's definitely, oh, that's great, man. Um, you got up to first lieutenant, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. First yeah. lieutenant. You know, uh, what do you th- what do you think about your time in the in the army overall? You know, uh, w- was it the hardest thing you ever did? Uh, you know, I, I want to talk about you know how you how you feel about maybe the commitment. Um, you know, what it means to you to have served your country. Just kind of all those different things. Yeah, well, um, b- both of my grandfathers back in their time they they served in the army specifically, so that's why I, I knew it's something that I kind of always wanted to do as well. I hear their stories when I was growing up, and I, I knew that that's an experience that I wanted to have. Um, and yeah, it, as far as the hardest thing I've ever done, yeah, uh, jungle school was pretty tough. It was 30 <laughs> days of living in the jungle, literally living in the jungle, uh, rained, I think, every day except for one, um, soaking wet, muddy the entire time, not much food, not much sleep. But uh, yeah, that was that was definitely a tough experience. Um, and then, yeah, I, I think, you know, I think a lot of people... I don't, I don't necessarily know that I think it should be mandatory for everybody in the United States to serve in the military, but I think a lot of people could benefit themselves from doing so. Just if nothing else from a self-discipline standpoint, I think that's the biggest thing I learned in the military was self-discipline, was, you know, um, paying you know, attention to detail. Uh, I still kind of live very regimented and very, um, you know, just disciplined person, whether that be my own physical fitness or my own my work schedule and priorities, I, I make lists and I get things done. And that's something that the army has taught me. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you think that like Switzerland and Greece are kind of onto something here and, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, you know, I know Finland other countries, too. Finland does yeah. it as well. Yeah. You think those maybe, you know, a year or two of, of service would be helpful, you know, maybe, yeah. maybe you would expand it and it wouldn't just have to be all the physical part. You just have different right. jobs for people. I mean, there's, there's administrative positions and I think maybe, you know, people talk about, um, eliminating college debt well you know you can get your college degree paid for even retroactively if you join the service so i think there, there could be a lot of benefits to it as well that this is you know, something that people that are way smarter and way uh, more politically inclined than myself can, can try to figure that one out sure uh don't you don't you get some college credits through the military as well you sometimes can. Yeah, yeah absolutely you can um yeah yeah that's what i thought yeah, you know, there's so many different routes that you can take. You know, some people, uh, you know, do basics and they do reserves and then they do active duty right out and they go back to school yeah. and it gets paid for that way. Or sometimes they go to school first, then they go after yeah. and they get it paid, you know, their debt paid off that way. So yeah. there's all I, kinds of ways. You know, any, any college students out there, high school students out there that listen to this and you don't know exactly what you want to do after high school yet, go join the military for a couple of years. And then you could eventually, you know, you, you learn a skill, you learn. Um, life, you get you get a lot of life experience, uh, and then you can still go to college after that and have it paid for. So I think, you know, anybody out there who needs direction or is looking, trying to figure out exactly what they want to do, definitely consider that as an option. Yeah, you know, I think there's a lot of people that 
kind of say, you know, I don't know, I didn't know where to turn and I found the military and great, oh, yeah. th- kind of great things followed for them, whether yeah. it's, uh, you know, a, kind of a career long, you know, which I believe is 20 to 30 years in the armed forces. 20, they consider 20 years and then retired. Yeah. yeah. So some people did that. Some people just did four years and then they found their direction and went to trade yep. school or, you know, they had enough credits to, you know, qualify for certain things or they mm-hmm. went to school or they would join the workforce, but they've just found some clarity, you yeah, know, so. Yeah, which is a huge thing. I think that, you know, it's very difficult for a 17 or 18 year old person to know exactly, you know, what they want to do uh, for the rest of their life. And, you know, I also think that there's room to pivot too. you know, you kind of, you know, in some ways you pivoted, yeah. oh, you know, yeah, big time. so yeah. you did a professional football for a little bit. I believe you, you got uh, business education. Uh, you know, I believe you got a master's degree on top of that and you still found the army and, st- and you know, still found yeah. some clarity coming out of that. So, yeah, you know, I think that's a, you know, a great thing. When you went to school, what did you think you were going to be doing after school? Did you, you knew, you probably knew military, but was yeah. there a dream job that you had in mind when you first set out on, you know, your four years of, of or five years of college? Yeah. Well, I think, um, obviously, you know, the dream was to play in the NFL. Sure. But then, at, you know, beyond that, uh, my undergraduate undergraduate degree was in sports management, so I obviously knew that maybe working in sports could be something, too. Maybe working in the front office for a team or, you know, as, a, as an agent or something like that. I went on to get my master's degree in business. Um, and, you know, so I didn't I, – I don't work in sports right now currently, but I am still involved uh, at Cal as a, you know, director of social media and alumni relations for the football team. That's just strictly volunteer. I wanted to be around the program again. I saw uh, a hole that I could fill for them uh, to help out and, you know, be involved and get back to my alma mater in the football program there. So I still am involved in sports, but that's not what I do for a living. Uh, but like you mentioned, you know, you take – take those skills that you can learn from you know playing football or in the military and you can just you can apply a lot of the skills to anything in li- anything in life so absolutely i want to know about the alumni relations i know i know you, i see your social media stuff all the time which is great i want to know about the alumni relations uh, aspect of that it, it, i want to know how much you enjoy that and how many connections you've already built through the program prior to even having this position well, yeah, that's that's one of the things especially about division two football is that your alumni base is so important we, we don't have the money at the division two level that you know ohio state michigan alabama so a, a lot of the people and people might understand this a lot of scholarship money at the division two level comes from donations from alumni right uh so that's why having that alumni base is very important you know people that give back to the program especially as, as people get older and move away they still want to have that connection to you know their college days or maybe their hometown or you know the, the friends and the, the brotherhood that they made in college they still want to have that connection so i can I help facilitate that a little bit, make sure people are able to stay connected to the program, to each other. Um, so that's definitely something that I'm happy to do. And I think you know, it's really important not only for the individuals, but for the program too. So. I've really enjoyed your your alumni posts, the alumni shout outs. Oh, yeah, thank you. Those have been awesome. You know, yeah, and it's fun. Like I knew Cal U had some dudes, but wow, like there are some really, really yeah. impressive. And I'm not just saying from a, like a like a football perspective. Like there's some really great people that have come out of there, and they're doing awesome yeah. things or have done awesome things. 
Um, and, you know, I, probably some of them don't even have social media, but, you know, at least if some of their family members or their friends see that, yeah. you know, that's huge. You know, well, thanks. I'm glad I'm glad that, uh, that you appreciate that because that's that's cool. And I've had a ton of fun doing that research and people, not only their football history, but like you said, what they've been up to since. And I have tried to, to you know, obviously we do have a significant amount of people that have success in football, oh, yeah. as, you know, whether that be playing in the NFL or even coaching at the college level. Uh, but I have also tried to do it to spotlight people that are successful in business or in their communities or in you know schools education system so it's been really cool doing the research to find out what a lot of alumni have been up to since they left the program yeah you know one thing you didn't mention about division two football and division three football is like this too you have a hundred guys on your team sometimes you know i don't know how many you played with you probably play with four or five six hundred guys in college football you know it's it's a large number uh you, you kind of have a larger roster size than others so you know if you think about that that's a lot more people than than some of the division one programs you got a lot of alumni yeah, you know, and and you know, to be frank too, you can you can use that alumni network as leverage. So absolutely, the that I currently work for, uh, our chief revenue officer was a, a Cal U football alumni from the 1980s. He knew that I was working in the the sports nutrition industry. He reached out to me when I was working at my previous company and, and, and made me an offer I couldn't refuse to bring me to the company that he works for now, just because you know we we played football at the same college uh, and we were working in the same industry. So it, you can can leverage that alumni network that is like you said very vast you can leverage that to, to benefit yourself and your family yeah absolutely that's a great point as well i'm glad that you you know you mentioned that um i want to talk about something uh that i talked about with with billy beck on here you know a couple like about a month ago or so i don't know if you caught that episode he's also you know a united states veteran as well he's playing college football currently at saint vincent i did yeah i did listen to that episode it was a good one so, you know, he, he said that it was kind of a tough thing for him to kind of transition back into civilian life. Uh, was it t- was it difficult for you too? You know, I never really talked about this with anybody until I talked to, yeah. to Billy about it. You know, I, I don't think it, it really wasn't that difficult for me. Um, I, and I think uh, the biggest reason it wasn't that difficult for me was I always had a good support system. My family was always very close. My parents, my grandparents, my brother, um, my wife now. Um, she was my girlfriend at the time, but, you know, I, I had a good support system to come home to, had a good group of friends, you know, all the way back from high school to come home to. Um, so it, it really wasn't that tough of a transition for me. Now, I definitely can see it being a tough transition for people that might not have that support system. And I, I think, you know, it's my time as a platoon leader. You know, I can think of a handful of guys in my platoon who, you know, I'm concerned for what their life would be like when they get out of the military, because I knew that they joined the military to maybe escape from a tough home life or because they didn't have anything going on. They didn't, you know, have an education. They didn't have anything like that. Those are the people that I worry about um, when they get out of the military is if they don't have a strong support system to go home to. Um, So I would just, you know, encourage anybody who is in the military and and thinking about transitioning out, really try to use that last six months of your service to set yourself up for something. Um, When you get out, you know, reach out to your old friends, reach out to your family, try to find yourself a place to live, a job, you know, network, make connections to, to kind of set yourself up for an easier transition because I can definitely see that being a tough process. Yeah, no, that's good advice for sure. You know, I, I've never gone through it, but I can imagine it's difficult, especially I feel like if you're going to be living abroad and then you just kind of come yeah. home and you're just like, boom, smack dab in my old, old hometown or wherever it may be. I'm just kind of somewhere one day. I haven't been here in years. And then yeah. you're just like, boom, what do I what do I do? You know, I, I think that's tough for anybody going through just, just a life change, you know, overall, I think that can be definitely, you know, very difficult. Um, so you coached some, some high school football. 
uh, you know, you're, you're now around a, you know, a college program again. How, how's it kind of feel to be on that other side of this now? Uh, you know, it kind of happened pretty quickly. It probably feels yeah, like. Yeah. I, I coached, uh, coached one year at Belvern at my alma mater and then I coached at Baldwin high school for a year. Um, now, like you said, I'm, I'm back at the college level, but, uh, and even then I've been involved with some, some local youth football camps as well. And I think, what I tell people is, you know, I got so much from the game of football. I got two degrees. I got to travel through Europe. I made lifelong friends, business connections. I've gotten so much from the game of football. Now I, it's my turn to give back, right? I want to give back to that younger generation and kind of pass on some of my knowledge and experience to them in hopes that they'll do that same thing in the future. Um, that's how we can kind of grow the game and um, make sure that it always stays relevant. Uh, I know a lot of people are concerned with, you know, head injuries and, you know, youth football participation is down, but I think it's up to us, up to those, you know, that older generation that is now done playing. I think it's up to us to kind of lead the way and, and make sure football stays relevant and make sure people can get the same benefits from the game that we all got from it. So Yeah, and teach it the right way, you know, mm-hmm. teach it the right yeah. way. I think that's a huge thing, making sure that we're, you know, teaching the right technique, making sure that you're tackling the right way, um, you know, and those sorts of those are very important because, you know, that's what's kind of leading to some of those those scares, you know, unfortunately, with some people not wanting to play football. But, yeah, teaching it the right way, I think, is a huge thing as well. Um, so, yeah, no, it's great that you're giving back and that you have given back and have been involved in that way. So, you know, that's definitely awesome. Um, so I want to talk about business career as well. You know, I told you we would yeah. chat about business. Uh, you're now with KOS Naturals. It's a, a plant-based protein additive, correct? Yeah, so um, KOS Naturals, yeah, we have uh – most well known for our plant-based protein powder we also have a couple other you know health and wellness products like that um you know we have national distribution in in vitamin shop whole foods walmart locally you, know, you can find us in giant eagle um yeah uh, and I, like i mentioned before the, the chief revenue officer of the company is a guy named Derek Deerwater from upper st Clair. he went on to play at cal back in the 80s he was on the 1984 psac championship team and he's still to this day very proud of that um yeah, he, he hired me on as the uh, Northeast Regional Manager, and, and I love it. Um, yeah, I take my own health and fitness very seriously, so working for a supplement company, um, kind of right up my alley. Uh, and I really like what I do. I, I travel around the Northeast region here. I try to open up new business in, in grocers and natural health product stores, um, online, and you know, supplement retailers. Uh, and I, I do. I really enjoy it. Were you a big part of them getting into Giant Eagle? No, actually, they were, already, okay. they were in Giant Eagle before before okay. I joined the company. However, that is my account now that I oversee. Great. Uh, being here, you know, Giant Eagle obviously based in Pittsburgh, so being here in the Northeast. Um, I will say, I don't even want to dive into this too much, but knock sure. on wood, uh, I, you know, hopefully here within the next couple months, we'll open up another account here in the Northeast that is a company based in Pittsburgh that's pretty well known. Um, so, you know, got something working on, on there. I can't, I, I'm not no. going to mention any names you yet. Can't. Don't want to no. jinx anything, but no. you know, hopefully in a couple months we can let that out of the bag. No, it's great. No, I'm glad to hear that. Are you, so I believe it's, it's a, uh, is it, it's vegan, right? Like it's a, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. The protein, I, I'm not a vegan myself. Okay. Um, I do think so. We, 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 it is vegan, but we, we like to say plant-based just because that okay. is, little bit more inclusive right um anybody can eat a plant-based diet typically most people wouldn't say that they're vegan um not anybody uh i guess i don't know vegan the term vegan is a little more like i guess restrictive for lack of a better word like if you're a vegan you're not eating any meat but if you eat a mostly plant-based diet you can still have a burger every once in a while sure no that's fair this is this company only about five years old 
Uh, not even. They actually started in 2019, uh, entirely wow. online in 2019, um, off their website and on Amazon. And then since 2019, we've expanded pretty heavily into brick and mortar retailers, like a, like your your Whole Foods, Vitamin Shop, Giant Eagle, all wow. that stuff. Yeah, so it's very, very young. I believe it's located, uh, the base is out of California? Yeah, headquarters in Santa Barbara, California. Yeah, correct. and it's pretty. It's still pretty small. I saw like LinkedIn said eleven to fifty employees or something like yeah, that. Yeah, you know, I think so. we have about I think we have about twenty five employees. Okay, um, but we're, we're growing pretty rapidly. Um, we we just actually got uh, ranked the five hundred and second fastest growing privately owned company in the United States for wow. five thousand INC five thousand. So that just came out last week, and uh, we're pretty happy to be ranked. 500 second fastest growing company, privately owned company in the United States. Yeah, that's huge. So you're yeah. one of the you're one of the OGs for this company. I know that you weren't the, like the original, but you're one right. of the few. So yeah, I got in pretty early, I'm, I'm, and I'm, I'm really happy. I really I really like working with this company. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, you know, th- there's something else I want to talk about. You know, we'll go back to military really quick before we kind of wrap things up here. Um, you were you got the Colonel Jess Walls Distinguished Officer Candidate Award. Uh, and you got that for graduating amongst the top of your class for officer candidate school. Um, I want to talk about that. You know, yeah. what does that distinction mean to you? And is that one of the most proud, like one of the most proud that you've kind of been to yourself throughout yeah. football and work and, and yeah. just everything you've done? Yeah, you really do your research. I know that uh, I graduated first in my class at officer candidate school. Um, actually, yeah, that, that means a ton to me because it was very competitive. Um, so at Officer Candidate School, uh, in order to get your branch, um, your your branch of service, right? So that could be infantry, that could be armor, military intelligence, whatever your job is actually in the army, uh, is based on your ranking at Officer Candidate School. They literally do a draft, right? So they rank you. I think there were eighty four candidates in my class. So they rank you one to eighty four, and the guy in first place, the guy or girl in first place, gets their first pick, and then right on down the line. Um, and there are only so many, like only so many slots available. So for infantry, there were like eleven infantry slots available in my class. So um, yeah, that was that was my first pick was infantry. But you know, if, you, if you're that number twenty ranked guy and there's only eleven infantry slots and they were picked ahead of you, well now you got to pick something else. So officer camp school was very competitive. So it, it was really cool to be um, to you know to finish first in my class. And that's based off of uh, leadership evaluation, written test, physical test, ruck marching. It's a whole bunch of stuff that, that go into determining the class rank. Um, so yeah, that was something that's really special for me to be uh, to have graduated first in my class. And I got a really cool uh, plaque. It has crossed uh, sabers on it. Um, There's a really cool plaque that I have hanging up in my office. So I have to send you a picture of it. Yeah, for sure. I would definitely love to see it. Um, you know, folks. Uh, you know, Spencer's a very humble guy. You know, that's just one of the many things he he was awarded uh, through the military. Um, you know, I, I believe I have you were a German Armed Forces Proficiency Badge, Army Achievement Medal winner, Global War on Terrorism Service Medal recipient, National Defense Service Medal recipient, Army Service Ribbon, and you also got a Physical Fitness uh, Badge as well. So, you know, a very, very busy and, you know, worthwhile four and a half years for you. Um, you know, that's definitely awesome, man. And I'm definitely proud to, to be chatting with you and, you know, the, the service that you've done, you know, it's definitely awesome. Uh, when you, when you started, did you think maybe you'd be a lifer? Cause sometimes people go in like, ah, I'll do my four years and yeah, that'll be it. And some I, people, I wasn't, I wasn't real sure. I didn't, I didn't really have my mind made up either way. Um, I definitely, I'm definitely always, will always be proud of my service. I think, you know, when I have children in the future, that's something I would encourage them to consider as well. 
Um, but I think, you know, towards the end, my wife, my now wife and I, we kind of wanted to come home and, and plant our roots uh, near our hometown. So that's part of the reason I got out of it. But, you know, I'm definitely happy to have done it. Definitely very pro. Yeah. Did, so did you get married and she came She came with you or did you get married after? So we, um, so we were living together in Hawaii. She was just my girlfriend at the time. And okay. then um, she's originally from Pittsburgh as well. She's from North Hills High School. Gotcha. From Bill Harden. Um so yeah, she came out and lived with me while I was stationed there in Hawaii, and then when, when I got back, uh, we got married. What actually be uh, a year? Our year anniversary is coming up on August twenty seventh. So, oh, so you got the you got the unique pleasure of planning this around COVID nineteen, right? Uh, yeah, a little bit after. <laughs> so our wedding fortunately wasn't affected by COVID nineteen. We know plenty of people who, whose weddings were affected by it. So yeah, well, that's good. That's good that you yeah. didn't have to fight through yours. You know, I think it's already hard enough to plan that day you know oh, yeah. it's, oh, yeah. <laughs> me yeah. telling you you know it should be you telling me i think uh yeah. but you know it's i'm you know it's awesome man you know congratulations to you folks you know it's awesome that she got to be there with those steps in, in your you know professional career as well got to live in hawaii you know i'm sure that was yeah. had some perks as well so that's definitely pretty cool um yeah. i want to know you know you've had a lot of great advice throughout this interview and i really do appreciate it i'm sure a lot of people that listen will as uh, you know as well What's the best advice that you have for young people who follow this page? You know, you dropped some some hints earlier, but I want to know maybe uh, one final or a few final things that you'd like to to maybe share with some young people through your experiences. Just because it's on my mind right now, um, if you're ever, you know, lacking direction, make a list, make a physical list with pen, pen and paper, write things down and cross items off your list. That little bit of gratification you get from crossing something off your to-do list is a great feeling. It kind of motivates you to do more. Um, it keeps you accountable. Uh, and it's something you can, you can look at to remind yourself to orient yourself where to go. And it, it could be something as simple as literally a daily to-do list. Like I need to wake up and take out the trash or I need to go get the trash bins and bring them in. Like something s- small like that or something bigger that is your you know, your five-year plan list or your your lifelong goals list or a bucket list, whatever. Make a physical list with pen and paper and enjoy crossing items off as you achieve. You know, I'm glad that you said that. I think that's amazing advice. Um, you know, I, I've seen through like, uh, you know, mental health studies, people that are going through tough times to do that. And that actually helps them kind of break out of some yeah. of the tough things that they're going through. And I think that not just people with tough time, just people to stay motivated. That's a huge thing yeah. just to stay on task and have something to achieve. Even the smallest thing, you know, it brings some gratitude, you know, to you and some, you know, feeling of accomplishment. So I think that's something some great simple advice. That any, literally anybody can do write it down, cross it off. Yep. That easy. Yeah. It doesn't take talent, you know, and yeah. that's, that's the best thing about it. So yeah, you know, Spencer, this was a great episode. You know, I really learned a lot about you and a lot about your football career and, and time in the military. And I just really appreciate you, you know, wanting to come on and, and share your story and share your experiences. Uh, anything else that you want to conclude with? Any final shout outs or anything of the sort that you wanted to to, to give out before we kind of wrap up with the conversation? No, th- that's it. Thanks for having me. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to do a ton of research on, on my past and you know have a great conversation here with me. I, I really do appreciate that. Absolutely, Spencer. Yeah, folks, you know, this was another episode of the Western PA Sports Blog podcast with Spencer Lynn, a, a Cal U football alumni. Thanks a lot for listening and we'll see you next time. Thank you.